Amen. Again, we thank you for worshiping with us today. We do continue in this series, Why? would remind you that there is a devotional guide for you in the bulletin every week, and you'll see it there today, based upon the message each week. A good way for you to live with the message yourself individually. You can also use it as curriculum for small groups that maybe you're involved in in your neighborhood or in this church. And again, we encourage you to use that. We're also doing something uh, special during this Why series. Every Thursday evening at 7, we're on Facebook Live, and I'm there to answer more of your questions. And we had the first one this past week, and I thought it went really well. It was a good time to answer questions that you have submitted. And uh, continue to submit those. You can comment on the posts that uh, promote that particular Facebook Live session and join us this week. You can also check it out later because it's recorded. But again, it's another way to engage with this series and, uh, and seek to grow in your faith as you ask these important questions. Let us be an attitude of prayer together. Eternal God, we do thank you for the gift of another day of worship, the music that stirs us so much, the fellowship, the prayers, the gift of this sanctuary, and the people of this church most of all. And now, Lord, you have given to me the amazing privilege and responsibility of preaching your word to these my friends and your servants, Lord, a task I always need your strength in order to do. So, Lord, speak to me and through me in such a way that all of us do receive a word from you that will make a difference to our lives. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, we do continue in our series, Why? And the seed of this series, of course, was a question I posted on Facebook some time ago. What question would you like a sermon to answer? And after just a day, there were around a 100 responses, a 100 questions, ranging all over the place. And the same questions began to appear, though, and I decided to put together a sermon series on that. And so, of course, we have tackled two very hard questions the last few weeks, but today we tackle another one. It's on self-forgiveness. Why can't I forgive myself? Forgiving ourselves is a very, very big challenge for a lot of us. You know, the truth is, you will hear a lot of sermons on God's forgiveness and a lot of sermons on forgiving other people. But what's interesting is you won't hear a lot of messages on how to forgive yourself. And the ones you do hear aren't very helpful. And that's unfortunate. Because many of us are torn apart by guilt, regret, and shame. And we find it a lot easier to forgive other people than we do ourselves. And what's very interesting is I did research on this sermon. I looked at how the Christian church often treats self-forgiveness. How many people in the church and preachers and Christians teach on self-forgiveness. And I've been very surprised by what I found. Some believe that the Bible does not teach on how to forgive yourself. They say all it teaches is repent of your sins, accept God's forgiveness, and move on. Others have said, well, to say... You have to forgive yourself is really another way of saying you don't have to own your sins and mistakes. Well, that's not my experience. I don't know about you because I struggle with this. There are things that I've said and things that I have done that I certainly regret. You know, I think about something that I said to someone that I have hurt or something that I've done that really, really causes a lot of problems. Yes, this preacher is not perfect. I know you're shocked. And, and, I, and I tear myself up over it. I really do. Why, Charlie, you know better than that. 
You know better than to say something like that. You know better. Your mom taught you better. I mean, why did you do something like that? And I come to church and I do confess my sin to the Lord and I confess all my sins and I receive that forgiveness. But there are still times when I struggle with forgiving myself. It's very difficult. And maybe you have the same struggle today. Maybe you walk into worship today with something that you have said or that you have done that is really tearing you apart and you simply will not, you cannot forgive yourself. You repeat it over and over again in your mind. You're obsessing over how you hurt that particular family member or a loved one. You just can't do it. You can't forgive yourself. And yes, you come to church and yes, you say all the right words and and yes, maybe you confess your sin to God and you receive that forgiveness, but you still can't seem to forgive yourself. And it's stealing your joy. It is stealing your peace. It is stealing your happiness. You won't let yourself be free. You won't let yourself be healed. And you're carrying around this weight. You're carrying around this regret. You're carrying around this shame. And it's wearing you out. Well, if that describes you or someone you know, the message today is for you. Because I'll tell you confidently, as sure as I stand here and proclaim to you today, that what I offer you today can bring the key to freedom and peace and hope in your life if you struggle with self-forgiveness. You can walk out of here today with your head held high. You can walk out of here today with your defeats behind you, knowing that you're a child of Almighty God. Because I'd like to begin by telling you what a friend said to me when I was struggling with a particular sin or mistake that I was going over and over in my mind and I was just beating myself up. And this friend gave me tough love. Anybody have a a good friend that gives you tough love? This is what he said to me. Charlie, how many times are you going to beat yourself up over this? This is not making you better. It is making you worse. And a light bulb went on. It is so true. It is simply not productive. For those practical people out there, it is not productive to beat yourself up over not being able to forgive yourself. And and those things that you've done, your light does not shine. It does not make you better at all. So I want to ask you the same question today. If you struggle with this, how long are you going to beat yourself up over that particular thing that you did? Listen to what Proverbs says. I love this. Proverbs chapter 4, look straight ahead with honest confidence. Don't hang your head in shame. The Bible says that. That's in the Bible. Don't hang your head in shame. Look forward with confidence. And why can we do that? Because the Apostle Paul says this in Romans, Yes, all have sinned. All fall short of God's glorious ideal. Yet, now God declares us not guilty of offending Him. If we trust in Jesus Christ, who in His kindness freely takes away our sins. Did you see that? Freely takes away our sins. God has forgiven you all of your sins. The past, the present, the future, all of them. It's like imagine a big blackboard. With all your sins written on that blackboard. And for me, that would be a very, very big blackboard. Amen. At least for me. All your sins written on them. And a God comes along and He erases all of it. Or imagine an Etch-A-Sketch. Remember those things? I could only do a staircase on those things. That's all I could do. Would you have an Etch-A-Sketch? 
And you have to turn it upside down. And when you shake it, after turning it upside down, you bring it back up again and it's gone. The slate is clean. That's how God's grace works. And I know it doesn't make any sense. I was having a conversation just recently with someone. Trying to explain to them grace. This is a person who grew up in the church. Who understands grace. At least he thought he did. And trying to explain it to him again. And he just said, Charlie, it just doesn't make any sense. I said, that's right. That's the point. I don't know about you, but I'm glad God is not fair. Amen? It is amazing grace. Remember the words of Jesus on the cross? He said what? It is finished. Can you say that? It is finished. Now the sermon's not finished. I have a few more to say. But Jesus said, it is finished. What is finished? What is finished? Of you ever having to feel guilty or be filled with shame ever again. It is forgotten, forgiven forever. Because of what Jesus has done for us on that cross. He has paid the price for us. And even Jesus says this in John chapter 8. I love it. This is very plain from Jesus. If the Son sets you free, you will be really free. What does that mean? It means this is not a joke. This is not a joke. It is true. You are truly free. Now let me break it down for you. Because this may speak to some of you. Considering all this. Who are we to argue with God? Amen? The truth is, when we refuse to forgive ourselves, you know what we're really saying to God? I know better than you do. I mean, Lord Jesus, I appreciate what you've done on that cross for me. I really do. But you know what? My standards of forgiveness are higher than yours. You see how ridiculous that sounds? It's ridiculous. Beating yourself up over past sins and mistakes doesn't make you better. Doesn't make you a better person. Doesn't make us better Christians. In fact, I would say to you that one of the biggest causes of our social problems and personal problems in this world is self-hatred. It's not feeling worthy. Now, people talk a big game about conceit and pride. And yes, those are very unhealthy things. But I'll tell you, my experience as a pastor, dealing with human misery and suffering and pain, I believe the primary cause of problems in culture, of problems in society, of problems in the community, is simply self-hatred. You ask any police officer... Or teacher that's dealing with difficult students. And they would tell you the same thing. Now I I read a a wide variety of books. And and some of the books I enjoy are true crime. I don't know if you've ever read John Douglas. He is the the mind behind the, the show Mindhunter. He was an FBI profiler. A true blue FBI profiler. In fact, one of the first. And I love his books. Now, I don't recommend them to everybody, but they're interesting books. They really are. And, and he said something in one of his books. He wrote something in one of his books that I found very fascinating. And I think you'll resonate with it. This is a guy who has profiled some of the most violent criminals in history, in culture, in the world. And you know what he came down to? 
He said, after studying all these different criminals and all the heinous things that they had done, trying to get to the source of it and why, he came down to this. And most of them, he found they were simply not loved. They didn't like themselves very much. They weren't loved. Perhaps this is why Jesus said, We have to love our neighbors as ourselves. We can't learn to love other people until we learn to love ourselves. Nothing can happen through us until it happens to us. It's time to love yourself and walk forward in faith and confidence. Just as Paul said in Philippians, I love this, forgetting what is behind, I strain forward to what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. But maybe this is not enough for you. Maybe it's not enough. Maybe you've grown up in church and you've heard these words and you're saying, Charlie, I've heard this my whole life. I've heard chapter and verse. I've heard it all. I know it all. But it's still not enough today. This regret, the shame is weighing me down. Do you have any more? Well, good news I do. I have two directives that have worked wonders for me when it comes to this struggle. And I think they might work wonders for you. The first is this, and I want you to get this. Don't believe everything you think. Can you say that with me? Don't believe everything you think. Now, I believe in counseling because I need a lot of it. Amen? It's true. I I counsel people as a pastor. We counsel people. I refer people to counseling and I have a counselor. I've had a counselor my whole ministry. I can't, I can't survive this vocation without a counselor. And, And also the adage is true. A counselor without a counselor has a fool for a client. How can I counsel you if I'm not being counseled? And I'll tell you this, this is a bit of an oversimplification. For those of you who are counselors out there. But I tell you, if I had to summarize the one thing I've learned through all kinds of counseling, through being in counseling myself, through counseling other people, it is this. Don't believe everything you think. Because not all thoughts are of same equal value. Not every thought that pops into your head is worth your energy and time. In fact, some thoughts, I believe, come straight from the devil himself. You you know, we can't control every thought that comes into our heads, but I tell you, we we control whether or not we're going to entertain those thoughts. We don't have to put out the red carpet for those thoughts. I tell you this, you can take this to the bank. We become what we think about. Our thoughts determine our beliefs, and our beliefs determine our actions. So if we want to change the way we live, we have to change the way we think. Jesus said, you can't put new wine into old wineskins. Now, what did he mean by that? Now, wineskins, they were made of leather. And when they got old and crusty, they would not expand. Sounds like a lot of people I know, you know? And if you put new wine in them, they would burst. What's one of the lessons of that? You can't live a new life with old thinking. You can't go around saying, well, I don't deserve forgiveness. I'm an awful person. 
I mean, listen to yourself talk sometimes. And ask yourself, if if I said that to another person, how would they take it? Or most of all, how does God take my self-talk? You can't go around saying those things. If you want to change your life, you've got to change your thoughts. Here's another directive I have for you today. Don't believe everything you hear. Can you say that? Don't believe everything you hear. Now here's one for you. What Albert Einstein, Oprah Winfrey, Walt Disney, Steve Jobs, Michael Jordan, and the Beatles have in common? They all started off their careers by being told by others they were failures, but they refused to believe it. Einstein couldn't speak until he was four years old, and all the doctors said he wouldn't amount to much. They said that. Walt Disney, get this, was fired from his newspaper job, and he was fired for not having original ideas and for lacking creativity. Oprah Winfrey was demoted from her job as a news anchor, and they said she wasn't fit for television. Guess who had the last laugh on that? Creating her own channel. What about Michael Jordan? We've all heard the story. He was cut from his first basketball team. And he went to his room, he locked the door, and he just cried. He just cried all day. What about Steve Jobs at 30 was rejected from the company that he started? And the Beatles, get this, the Beatles were rejected by Decca Recording Studios because they didn't like their sound, and they said they didn't have a future in show business. Now, I share this list with you to inspire you and to help you see that what may be causing you to live in shame are the criticisms of other people. Sometimes other people will drag us down by, by labeling us by those things that bring us shame. And what's so bad about that is we listen to those voices and we put a higher value on what they say than what God says about us. Let me tell you this. People who criticize you all the time, They either don't like themselves, or they envy you, or both. Just because they're miserable doesn't mean you have to be miserable. I heard an interesting true story about a six-year-old boy who was given an assignment in school one day. The teacher wanted all the kids to write down on a piece of paper what they wanted to be when they grew up. Well, this little boy named Stevie, he wrote down that He wanted to be on television and make people laugh. He'd seen these people on television and they made others laugh and he loved that. He wanted to be that. He came from a a low-income family. He wore hand-me-downs. He had a problem with stuttering. But he wrote that down. The next day, the teacher wanted the assignment. And so the teacher decided to just read out each student's name and then read out what they wrote. And when she got to Stevie... She called him up in front of the class. And he thought she was going to encourage him. And she looked at Stevie and said, Stevie, what did you write down? He said, I want to be on television and make people laugh. And she looked at him and said, Stevie, do you know anyone in television? No. Is there a family member of yours that's on television? No. Go back to your desk and write down something more realistic. Now, Stevie was confused. He had never been told he could not do something by anybody. 
And so when he went home, he was, he was dejected and upset, and he told his dad about it. He said, son, give me that piece of paper. He read it. He said, don't listen to that teacher. This is what you do. I want you to put this piece of paper on your top drawer, and every night before you go to bed, and every morning when you wake up, I want you to read it, and I want you to thank God that one day you'll be on television. And that's what Stevie did. Day by day, night after night, for years, until Steve Harvey is now on television six or seven days a week, hosts Family Feud. You are not what other people say you are. You are God which says you are what God says you are. Imagine that if David or, or Moses or Peter or Paul had listened to their detractors... What if Jesus Christ had listened to his detractors? Not in a minute, I'm going to get into this sermon, all right? What if they had? So I hand you the key to forgiving yourself. You ready for it? You may want to write this down. It comes from St. Bernard. No, not the dog, the actual saint. This is gold, I'm serious. St. Bernard gave us the four stages of spiritual growth. You ready for him? Here they are, the first stage, love of self for self's sake. And that's where a lot of the world is, right? They love themselves because they love themselves. The second is love of God for self's sake. Love of God for self's sake. And, you know, that's the way a lot of people are, of course. They get into the faith, and that's fine, you know. They want to know what God and the faith is because of their own needs and desires, and that's okay. And the third stage of spiritual growth, which is surprising, because I thought it would be the last, St. Bernard said, it's love of God for God's sake. But the last stage of spiritual growth, according to St. Bernard, is this. Love of self for God's sake. Or to love myself the way God loves me. Isn't that amazing? So how do we learn to love and forgive ourselves? Here it is. When you begin to love yourself as God loves you, you will learn to forgive yourself as God forgives you. You see, it all begins with God's love. Learning to embrace that love. To receive that love. And and maybe for some of you in worship today, you've heard these words your entire life, but you've never received them into your own heart. You have a head knowledge of this stuff, but you've never embraced God's love for you. You've never truly accepted the fact or surrendered to the fact that God loves you. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. You can't work your way into God's grace. God already graces you. He already loves you. And all you have to do is receive it. To accept it. That's all you have to do. So I want you to say this aloud with me. I will not believe everything I think. I will not believe everything I hear. I am created by God. I am loved by God. I am a child of God. If you don't get anything else from this message, get that. You're a child of God. 
Now, how many of you have ever seen God spell the musical? Some of you? To me, the most powerful scene in that is towards the end. When Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples and all the disciples, they have clown faces on. And Jesus, he takes a bucket of water, a rag, and a mirror. And he begins to wash those clown faces off the disciples. And as soon as he does it, he puts a mirror to their faces and then hugs them. Why? He's embracing them as they are. He's given them permission. They don't have to hide their inadequacies. God made them as they are so they can be themselves. They can let their light shine. They have been forgiven. They are loved. And let me tell you, the world is not a better place for you to feel so guilty all the time and not shine your light. That doesn't help anybody. God made you who you are and all of us have sinned and all of us have made mistakes. All of us have failed, but we have been forgiven. And the same grace that forgives us is the same grace that picks us up and empowers us to be children of God in this world. God loves you. God created you. God made you. So be you. After all, everyone else is taken. No matter what you've done. No matter what you've said, you are forgiven, you are loved, and Jesus, He is here today. And He says to all of us, this is how much I love you. Embrace my love. Receive my love. Live in my love. It will set you free. And this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Let's pray. Eternal God, I pray for everyone here in worship, especially those who may struggle with forgiving themselves. May they know that they've already been forgiven. That work has been done. And to learn to to see themselves the way you see them, as your child, as someone you deeply and desperately love. And Lord, as they see themselves, as we see ourselves, the way you see us and begin to love ourselves the way you love us, Lord, by your grace, we know you'll help us to forgive ourselves the way you have forgiven us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. We're so glad you came to worship today. We hope it's been a time of inspiration, of encouragement for you. Receive this benediction. And now may that mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you also. May the love of God, our Heavenly Father, abide with you this day and throughout this week. May the guidance and power of the Holy Spirit fall fresh upon you. And the faith and fellowship of all true disciples of Jesus Christ go with you and sustain you, both now and forevermore. Amen.